All right, so I've been here for a little over six months now. Um, many of you already know me, a little, know a little bit of my background. Um, I have four older, or three older brothers. I'm the fourth one. Um, every single one of us went to Southern Wesleyan University, and I studied youth ministry there. Um, and, but I also took a little bit of classes in um, outdoor recreation because I just, I just like that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the classes we take, and it's actually for, required for youth ministry, um, it's called Camps and Retreats, okay? And this class, uh, there's a guy named Doc McKenzie. He's the one who teaches it. We just call him Doc. But basically the entire class is just learning about camps. Because, I mean, if you're a youth pastor, you're going to go to camps. You're going to have, like, weekend retreats, that kind of thing. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, I was up at Table Rock for both junior and senior high camp. And so we just learn, like, how to run these things and, and how to plan for them and all that kind of stuff. But one weekend, what we do is we take this uh, backpacking trip. Um, if you don't know what backpacking is, basically you just get like an oversized book bag um, and it has like more straps and everything to go across your chest. And you put like a bunch of clothes and food, you carry all your gear and you go hiking. But while you're hiking, you also camp, okay? And I love this kind of stuff. I mean, I love hiking. I've gone up Table Rock Mountain several, several times. I can't even count how many times. But I was just dreading this weekend, you know, and I was just mostly because I was an RA at the time, and like every single weekend, I was just like always busy, and so I was like, man, it's just another weekend that I have to, I have another responsibility to do, and also, like when I do this, like I take it seriously, okay, I figured we're going to be hiking, and it's just going to be like some people have never been hiking before, and I was like, we're going to go like two miles, like what kind of challenge is that, you know, and so I wasn't really looking forward to this. And some of the people I knew in the class, but some of the people I didn't really know, and I was going to be spending the whole weekend with them. I was like, ah, I don't know if I really like this. But it comes to the weekend, and, and we have to get our stuff ready, and it's required for the class, so I can't really skip it or anything. Otherwise, I'd fail the class. And so thankfully, I did have my best friend, Jalen. He was there, and then one of my other good friends, Nathan, he was there too. And some other people, like, I kind of knew but didn't really hang out with. Um, but we get there, and the whole time I'm just still thinking, like, man, this is going to be a terrible weekend, all right? But we start on Friday night, and we hike, like, a mile, and then we set up camp. I'm like, yep, yeah, it's going to be easy. It's not even a challenge. Why am I here, you know? But we set up camp, and, and <clears throat> we have dinner. And then after dinner, we play this game called Mafia. And if you don't know what that is, ask any of the youth it's an incredible game of like mind-blowing challenges and actually deceit and all that kind of stuff. But it's a lot of fun, okay? And so we play this game, and you know, it actually was fun. And I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, maybe it's not too bad, you know. But then we get up in the morning, and, and then he's like, okay, we got to, Doc said, we got to pack up camp, and we're going somewhere else. And I was like, okay, I mean, we're already here. Why are we going somewhere else? So we start hiking, we hike three miles, and I mean, that's decent, you know, that's all right, it's kind of a challenge for me at least. And so, but we, the next campsite we get to, it's um, right over this falls, okay, and I think it's called Twin Falls, over by Jocassi, I think. Um, but it's like 80 foot falls, and so we're at the, the campsite's like right here, and the falls are right here. So it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Um, so, and we get there like right before lunch. And so we get there, and and we eat lunch, and then he's, Doc says, okay, I want you to take an hour, just go out by yourself and spend some time with God. I was like, okay, you know, I like that. I love spending time with God. I love nature. So I was like, you know, that's not too bad. And I, I go and pray, and um, it's a really good time just 
being with God, and then we come back and kind of debrief. And it was good for me, but there were three other people on the trip that it was literally a life-changing experience for them. Um, and they, they were all Christians, everyone who went, but some of them hadn't really spent time with God alone for a long time. Okay, And so to have this hour in the woods by themselves, away from cell phone, away from distractions, all that kind of stuff, and just sit with God, it was literally a life-changing moment for them. Um, and I was like, you know, that's awesome. It's awesome that I'm here, a part of that. Okay, And then we had a couple hours free time before dinner. Um, and Doc said at the beginning of the trip, he said, no hold my beer moments, okay? None of us drank. We weren't drinking or anything like that. But he just said, no moments of, hey, watch this. I'm going to do something stupid, okay? But me and my friend Nathan, of course, we did stupid stuff. So we, we start going towards the waterfall. And there's like this cliff next to the waterfall. And we start climbing it. No one's around. It's just the two of us. We start climbing this waterfall. And don't have any ropes or anything. It was a ton of fun, but we're safe. I mean, I'm good. Didn't fall or anything. Nathan didn't fall. He's good, too. But then we, so that was fun, too, you know, and we get back for dinner. We hang out some more, pray together, and, and then we play mafia again, you know. It was actually a ton of fun again. Um, and then the next day, we, we pack up and start heading back. And, but the whole time, or before the trip, the whole time leading up to it, I was just thinking, man, this is going to be terrible. It's not going to be any fun. It's, not, it's just going to be a whole other weekend taken up. But if I just continued to live in that negativity, I wouldn't have enjoyed those moments of mafia that we played, the moments of almost dying, climbing a waterfall, you know, and the moments of hearing people's ch- lives literally change by spending time with God. And it was awesome. And what's unfortunate is that our society does this all the time. They just focus on the negative. I mean, when you look on social media or you, you hear the news or see news, you see videos all the time of people acting out in violence towards other people groups or, or of policemen acting out in, towards violence towards innocent civilians or people fighting back against policemen. And I'm not saying so, who's wrong and who's right. I mean, there's good and evil on both sides, honestly. And the fix isn't going to be quick and easy. I know that for sure. But it also happens in our presidential candidates. I mean, there's tons of bickering going on between them. And I don't know who I'm going to vote for yet. All I know that is if Trump gets elected president, I'm moving to Canada, okay? But if Hillary gets elected president, I mean, I'm still moving to Canada. It's going to be crazy either way. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But, I mean, we could talk about this all day. We could talk about who's right and who's wrong. But... That's not, that's not really going to solve anything because we always just focus on the negative. And yes, there are stories of good, but they're often just swept under the rug. I mean, I've seen, I've seen policemen, videos of policemen that stop and play basketball with kids in the street, and it's awesome. And there's this guy that's running this free hugs campaign, and he goes and just gives hugs to policemen randomly. And I've seen videos of people stopping to pray for policemen while they're working, and it's awesome, but we rarely see that. We rarely see that. The views and likes on those videos don't even compare to the ones that talk about violence and what's the crazy stuff that's going on. But the worst thing about it is that we as Christians have once again succumbed to this nature of society. I mean, it happens time and time and time again throughout history. I mean, ever since the church started with Paul and all the other apostles, 
they've always, there's always been conforming to society, you know? And once again, we still do the same thing. We focus on the negative. We become called hypocritical and legalistic and judgmental. But that's not what we should be known for, is it? And Pastor Mike realizes this too. That's why last week when he talked in Colossians 3, I mean, the whole chapter is talking about how we should live as Christians. And there's a list at the beginning of, or well, it says at the beginning, seek first the kingdom of God. And then there's a list of don't do these things. And there's a list of do these things. And he focused on the do these things because he knows that that's true in our, our society. And today we'll be jumping around a little bit. We'll start in Colossians 3, but just so you know, we'll be jumping around a little bit because what happens is that sometimes people just take specific verses that kind of apply to their theology and just think, okay, I'm going to focus on these things. And then they just make up a, a misconstrued, misconstrued, that's the word? I don't even know if that's the word. But anyways, they make up a, a weird view of Christianity. Um, so we'll be starting in Colossians 3 again. But we'll be looking at verses 22 through 24. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So there are a few things and just these three verses that really stick out to me. The first is, whatever you do, do it with integrity, okay? It says, not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So no matter what we do, we should do it with integrity and good character, right? And the second is work ethic. No matter what we do, work at it with all our heart as if we're working for the Lord, right? And the third thing, which is encouraging, is that we'll receive an inheritance from the Lord if we do those things. And likely that's an inheritance talking about the kingdom of heaven and not necessarily something we will receive on earth, but still reward, right? So that's encouraging verses for me. But I think what has happened is that Christianity has taken verses, like some people in Christianity that, that are labeled as legalistic, take verses like these and think, okay, my relationship with Christ is all about my work ethic. And as long as I just follow these rules, then I'll get into heaven, and that's what it's all about. And that's how we've become known as legalistic. And these are great verses, but if we just focus on these verses, we become known as legalistic. And this has happened for mostly, for the most part, generations before me. But what happened in my generation, and some generations behind me, and maybe the one right above me, is we take opposite verses, verses like Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, that say, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." And so my generation takes verses like these and say it's all about grace, it's all about mercy, it's all about God's love, and yes, that is true, but if they're not living holy lives pleasing to him, then that's not effective either. You know? the, that belief is called antinomianism, where you just believe that you can live however you want, it doesn't matter because you're saved through God's grace. But that's not effective either. Yes, we are saved through God's grace, but our lives should change as evidence of that. Our actions should change as evidence of that. 
And the issue behind both groups is that they just pulled out, like I said, just pulled out specific verses and focused on those things. But to make Christianity truly effective, it's a balance between the two. I mean, if people just focus on the laws, that's how you just become legalistic. And if people just focus on the grace and, that, and only the grace, that's how you became, become antinomianist and, and just live however you want. But we can't. I mean, Jesus said in John 14, 23 through 24, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And the thing is, I think this really, this just proves a balance between the two. Because what happens is people who are looked at as legalistic, they, they really love God really well, but they don't, they don't follow the do's that Jesus said. Do these things. Go and show mercy to people. Forgive others. Love people well. Spread the love of Christ with them. But then the people who are antinomianists, they do that well sometimes. And they say, oh, you're forgiven. You know, it's all about Jesus' grace. It's fine. But then they just live however they want. And they don't follow the don'ts that Jesus said. Don't live in sin. Don't do these things. And live a holy, pleasing life to God. There's a balance between the two. And if we truly loved him, we would follow his teachings, right? And, I mean, this is true for myself. I mean, I tend to fall on the antinomianist side, so I'm not, I'm not being, like, judgmental towards you guys or saying step up your game. I, I need to as well. I think Christians as a whole need to because we're often just forgotten or known for something else. And, but... If that is what Jesus says, obey his teachings if we truly love him. So what did he teach? Well, I mean, he taught a lot of things. There's four whole books about him, and a lot of them do overlap, but there's a bunch of stories in each one that are separate to their own story. But Jesus said, I mean, many of you will know this and can quote it, but there's two great commands that Jesus gave that surpass everything else. He says in Matthew 22, it says in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. So it's that simple. It's that simple. We just need to love God and we need to love people and everything else is fixed. I mean, he said all the law and prophets hang on these two commands. So it's that simple, but it's also pretty complex. I mean, to love God, there's a, whole, there's a bunch of different facets of it and how you can love God. And to love people, there's a bunch of different facets in that and how you can love people as well. But it's also that simple. And it, and it makes sense because if we truly loved God, we would live holy, pleasing lives to him, right? And if we truly loved people, then we would show them God's grace and mercy and love, right? So it's a balance between the two. But we don't always do that as Christians. We oftentimes do one or the other. But that's not, that's not going to be effective. It's not going to work. We need both of those in our lives. And if we truly loved people we would also share the love of Christ with them and share the gospel message with them because 
loving someone doesn't, just, doesn't mean just allowing them to do whatever they want. No, loving them is showing them what's best for them and saying, hey, there's this life that God has for you, a full life that he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. He has this full life for you. So follow that. I want you to know about that. But there's also that you need to live holy, pleasing life to him, right? So if we truly loved people, we would show them the love of Christ, right? And Jesus said, a new command I give you, talking to his disciples, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we're truly following Christ and we truly are his disciples, we'll be known for our love, but society sees us as legalistic and judgmental. We're not being known for our love. Because when I become known for just following rules, those who non-Christians who don't live by God's, by God's rules and, and just live however they want and live sinful lives, and they, all they hear is, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I mean, if, if I was just hearing that all the time, I'd be turned off by that, you know? I wouldn't want to join a, a, a religion that's just about rules, you know? And, and true, like I said, true love doesn't allow people to just live however they want because if we just say, oh, you can, you can sin, it doesn't matter, you know, eventually that sin's going to choke them out. The cares of this world is going to choke them out from their faith. It takes a balance between the two. So my question for you is, are you loving people into heaven? Are you loving them so much that they can't look at you and not see the face of Jesus, the love of God? And like I said, our society just focuses on the negative and focuses on the violence that gets going on in our world. But when that's thrown at us, how we respond is either going to show love or it's going to show that legalism or that antinomianism that we believe in. But the way you respond has to show God's love. The way I respond to people has to show God's love. And when we respond in love, when we turn the other cheek, people are going to ask why. I mean, I've, anytime I do that, people are giving me like weird looks. Like, what? why are you doing that? Because that's not how the society responds. That's not how the world responds. So when we respond with love and grace and mercy, they're going to ask you why. And that's when you can share the love of Christ with them. That's when you can share the good news with them. And sometimes you, you, some people will come up to you and say, hey, I struggle with depression or I struggle with lying all the time or I struggle with pornography. The way we respond with that is it also has to be in love. If we just say, oh, don't do that. That's a no, no, tisk tisk." you know, that's, that's not going to help them. Or if we respond, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, you can, you can keep on sinning. Christ's love is, and his grace is sufficient. That's not going to help them either because the sin is just going to keep choking them out. And yes, God's grace is sufficient, but we also have to work on our relationship with him. I mean, I say this all the, times, all the time to the teens. Our relationship with God is just like any other relationship. It takes time and effort and commitment to it. So we can't just go about living our days however we want and just saying, oh, God's grace is sufficient. It takes time and commitment to following him, right? And we need to become known for our love, love for God and love for people. And that's how the world will know that we are true followers of Christ for our love. 
And that's how the, the apartment complexes around us will come to fill this church up because we just love them so much that they can't not be attracted to it, you know? Love is attractive. That's how when we go to school or when I go to school or you go to your job and you go to your workplace, they're going to start asking you, what's different about you? Because you're loving them, right? And I can't wait for the day that this building is full because we just love people way too much. (laughs) I can't wait for the day that we're going to have to build a completely new building in order to house all the people that we're loving. But it's going to take time and commitment for each and every single one of us to love people. I need to love people better. I need to show God's grace and love and mercy, but also encourage them and build them up and say, hey, you can live a free life from sin with Jesus. If we all do that, this place is going to be filled easily, quickly, because that's attractive. That's what the world needs. Whether or not they say it, whether or not they know it yet, that's what they need. They need the love of Jesus, right? So are you going to love people into heaven, love people into the kingdom of God? And challenge me too. I mean, if you see me, ask me, hey, are you loving people? Are you encouraging people? Because I need to do it too. We all need to do it. Let us become known for our love for God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all of your grace and mercy, God. Thank you for covering all the multitude of sins that you have in our lives. I pray, Father, that we will become known for our love, that you would guide and direct us and teach us. Um, I pray that we would just honor you with our lives and live pleasing and holy lives to you and that we would love people well and just show them your love and show them your grace and mercy, Father. Help us this day to do everything we can to reach out to those around us who need your love and to show them mercy. And it's your precious and holy name we pray. Father, I pray that today, tomorrow, every day this week, every day from here on forward, that we will just be known for your love, Um, that we will just honor you with our words and our actions and and just love those around us and love you well, Lord. Um, In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. Go in peace.